Hello there. Welcome to Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster and author of Positive Changes, a self-kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z approach of modern day grief healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life. Fear not, it's not just me. Each week, I will bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey. So if you're ready to be inspired, let's go. This week on the show, I am joined by Jim Shupak and his dog snitches every now and then. It is such a powerful episode. It's powerful in that Jim talks really openly about his mental health, his mental illness to be more precise. He talks about how he lived with depression but didn't know that it had a name. This is a really relatable episode. I hope it helps you. I hope you share it and help others. You have to remember there's love there. There's people who care about you. And you might not think that the depression, anxiety may not allow you to think that. But trust me when I tell you there are people, like if you are going through that right now and you're listening to this, just remember there are people who care about you. There might be just, you might see no one cares about you. Trust me, there are people who care. That if you were no longer here, they would miss you. They would, it would, it would be awful. They would, ugh, it would be such a bad, their days would just be, you know, there'd be a hole in their heart. And I think that's important for people to, to also realize that you are loved, like you are cared for, like you are worthy, like there's help out there and you are worth that help, you know? So don't forget that message that like you are worthy of that help. You should be helped and it's okay to ask for help. Again, like I had said before, Shelly, like the most courageous thing I ever did my whole life that ever was ask for help. So if you're ready to talk about depression, mental health, how to get help, and if you're a YouTuber and want to meet snitches, the Chihuahua, let's join Jim now. Today on the show, I am joined by the lovely Jim Shupak. Jim is a Spanish teacher, a soccer coach, and he's fur dad to snitches, Sadie and Stuart the dog and Doody the cat. Hello there, Jim. Hi, Shelley. How are you today? All right, thank you. How are you, my lovely? I'm doing very well, thank you. I can't complain. It's uh, Saturday, I mean, so no complaints here. I mean, at least here in the United States, it's sunny out where I'm in eastern Pennsylvania, and I just had the Euro football championships on. I'm a big football fan, soccer fan, so I was watching that as well. Living your best life. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So far, so far, yeah. Bless you. I love the fact that you're just surrounded by all these gorgeous dogs and Doody the cat. I absolutely love that. But to get where you are today, I know you've had quite a journey, which I'm just really passionate about. So please do share your journey of how you actually got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, Well, uh, first of all, thank you again for having me on the show and the listeners. I appreciate just being able to share this, you know, humble, humble to be able to share this. Um, it was uh, 20 years ago, um, Shelly, in February of 2001. I'm just looking down at my um, computer here because I want to make sure I have the date right. So it would have been four months and 20 years ago where I started to feel what at the time I didn't recognize as the symptoms of depression. I was very sullen. I was very like 
the person you see in front of you today is essentially who I was 20 years ago. But at that point, it felt like someone had pushed who I was out of my body and replaced it with someone who was very sullen, sad, who wanted to sleep all day, who didn't want to get up, who felt he had no purpose in life, who felt worthless, who, um, start, I mean, unfortunately started to ha have thoughts of suicide because the how I had felt had kind of decreased my energy. And it, it just kind of enveloped me to the point where it told me like, you are not worthy. You're, you're worthless. You're, you know, this is, and, and, and I started to believe it now to sum it up, not sum it up, but to give you another idea, every second of every day that I had over those, what I call hundred days of hell, because really that's what it was for me. Um, every second felt like a minute, every minute felt like an hour, every hour felt like a day. So when I would get to the night, it was awesome because I got to sleep. I got to escape what was a basically a reality of, of hell. It, it was awful. I wouldn't wish this upon anyone. And when I woke up, I would think to myself, all right, how many more hours till I can go back to bed? Because that's just how I lit. I didn't, I didn't want to, like, I'm, I'm Catholic, like I said before, Shelley, and I prayed a lot. And I said, you know, I'm okay if you don't wake me up, God. Like I'm, I'm okay. I, I because I, when I get to the day, I don't want to. There's no purpose for me. I have zero purpose. I could cry at a moment's notice, and I can even remember crying over like for nothing. And it was, it was just a terrible, terrible, ter like awful place to be. And you know, over the over the the days, pardon me. And and some of this like is a little overlap, and I apologize, but um, I do remember. Um, talking to you know just friends and one friend who had noticed um to me he's like jim you haven't been acting yourself are you okay and this is a friend on an online friend if you want to call it that like someone i've met like through another friend and i talked to him online and i said no i'm i'm not there's something seriously wrong and i can't put a finger on it i said i'm i'm like i'm living in my own head and i can't like i there's something wrong and he said jim you like based on i've noticed you've had a lot of the symptoms of, of depression and uh, he had depression himself. His name was Wendell Frederick. Honestly, I, I owe him pretty much my life because he he opened the door of knowledge for me. And uh, he unfortunately passed four years ago of a heart attack. But um, the thing with that was when he had told me the, the symptoms or he had said, look up depression. I remember going to the computer, looking up the symptoms. And Shelly, I had every single symptom. And I was like, wait, is this a cruel joke? Because... <laughs> I can't believe that, wait, depression, and here I feel like this, 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 like everything that I just described. I must have looked at seven different websites doing Google searches, symptoms of depression. I opened every single one up. No, every single one is the same on every site. So at that point in time, I'm feeling like, wow, I, I know what this enemy is, for lack of a better word, and now it's a matter of getting the help. And that was the most courageous thing, if I could say, of, of ever of this whole scenario is telling myself that I need help and I need to find someone who can give me the proper help. So I contacted my primary care physician who at the time, like I was working at my church and she, her two kids were part of the youth group. So I did know her outside of her being my primary care physician. I emailed her and I said, you know, Dr. Vlani, can I meet you? But I don't want to meet you at the office, if that's okay. She was also the the um, one of the staff doctors at the university where I had gone at that point. I said, can I meet you over at East Strasburg University, which is where I was a student? 
I said, I just, there's something like private that I really want to talk to you. And I think I might have like depression, but I'm not sure. And with the stigma that exists, I didn't want this going into the office and, oh, he has depression blah, because of the stigma. And she was so sweet. So yeah, Jim, don't worry. I'll meet you. I wound up meeting her in the university at the healthcare center. I must have had 50 pages of depression-like symptoms printed out. And I said, Dr. Lonnie, I think I have depression. I have all of this. I have felt all of this. And she she was impressed by my homework, but she said, well, I'm going to give you a depression screening test. And so it's one made by, you know, the medical field, I get psychologists must be involved in what happened. And um, she said, yes, Jim, I can say that you do have depression. Here's the route. We can do this a couple different ways. She said, if you want to go on medicine, we can, we can talk medicine. Not everyone is in favor of it. Okay. Now for me, I did take the medicine and I'll tell you exactly why, Shelly. First of all, there were days that just getting out of bed was the biggest accomplishment of my whole day. Putting two feet on the ground was like, oh my gosh, like it was like a marathon technically, like that was the equivalent of a marathon for me. Just getting two feet on the bed because I didn't have the strength to get out of bed. And when I did, it was like, oh my God, like, so the serotonin level that's in your, you know, that your body creates, it was, I would say, practically non-existent. So she, I did go on the medicine for two years. I'm off it now, but I, I would not hesitate to go back on, pardon me, if I needed to. I'm sorry. And um, so at that point, we, we talked about that. And she did say this, though. She said, um, make sure, though, that you monitor your how you feel, because in some cases, antidepressants can make you feel worse. And if you're already depressed, as it is, you need to be very aware and very cognizant of how you're feeling, because if they make you feel worse, you need to set that appointment up like right now and say, hey, this isn't working. I need a different. We need to talk about another way of going after this. And it could be another antidepressant. It could be something else. But for me, fortunately, it worked. Um, I did feel better, you know, and, and it, the serotonin level eventually I, I didn't feel the need to be on the Paxil anymore. But she also told me, if you really want to feel a true change, you, I strongly suggest you go to talk therapy. And and I at first I was hesitant because I see what talk therapy, how it's described in, I don't know, on TV, in the movies, just throughout the years. You're sitting there on a sofa. At least they that's what they make you think it is, but it's not. Um, you're really just talking to a, an individual who... Uh, if you find the right therapist or when you do is a very caring individual who wants to help guide you um, through your story, like just to help guide you process. And I, I was blessed that my primary care physician suggested one um, who I went to and I went to for maybe about two, three months. It was about three months, I think, thereabouts. And she listened to my story and, and she was very, I remember crying in the office but it was just getting that weight off my shoulders, whatever it was, because I don't even remember half of, I don't remember 90% of what we talked about because it was 20 years ago, but I do remember feeling better. And I do remember saying to myself, you know what? I don't know why I doubted going to talk therapy. It has helped me so much. It might've helped me just as much, if not more than the antidepressant itself. I'm not sure. 
like I can't really gauge which one did, but I would say having both of them together, oh my gosh, it was like, it just helped me get out of that awful stage of my life, you know? So, and, and if I can, I mean, I have to, I have to give two people also credit. Like we had a dog, our Sonny, our, our golden retriever, Sonny, and Sonny and I had an understanding where I'd be sitting on my sofa and he would essentially put his nose about an inch or two away from mine. And at that point in time, it was, it was almost like an understanding where he would be telling me, I need to take you for a walk, meaning he needs to take me for a walk, but I need you, meaning he needs me to put the leash on him so that he could take me for a walk. And when we would do this, Shelly, like I would always feel a little bit better just being outside and moving my feet a little bit. And it didn't have to be like long. It just, I was outside in nature. I was outside with my dog. I was just, it was such a beautiful place, you know, to be. And that helped me a lot. And, and this was something we did often, Sonny. And I, he, he definitely was very in tuned with how I was feeling. And I think he just realized like, okay, I need you to take me for a walk. And, and my pastor as well, when I told to him, he, um, he said to me, you know, Jim, I want you to write down three different things that you want to accomplish every day. And he said, one of them has to be get out of bed. Two has to be go to the bathroom, because let's be honest, in order to go to the bathroom, you have to get out of bed. That two things. So those, and he said, I know you love coffee. So let's put coffee on the list. So for a long time, for a while there, those were the three things that I accomplished. But Shelly, those were major events for me. And for other people, and for me now, it might be like, I do this and I don't even think about it. But in the past, those three things were like, oh, I can't even describe what they were like. Like, it was like almost like doing three marathons because getting out of bed was so difficult. Um, you know, when nature calls, nature calls, there's nothing you can do about it. But then just going downstairs or making coffee. And those were big things for me. And then slowly but surely, there was little successes added to like little millimeters became inches, became feet or yards, meters, and then football fields, because then eventually those three things wound up disappearing and the three things I accomplished were, were much bigger, you know? So that, that, those are some, some of the highlights, I guess, if you will, that I'd like to, you know, just to share. Yeah, it's really valuable. I mean, like when you're just going through the symptoms, you're saying like you was tired and sleepy, low energy, and the lack of purpose, lack of worth, and just feeling tearful for no reason out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, and it is that easy just to get there. And you just think, oh, it's because, you know, it's the school holidays and I've got the kids. Oh, it's because I work late. Oh, it's yeah. because, you know, I ate rubbish food last weekend. I think it's so easy to dismiss. But as you say, you had like these 100 days of hell. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be people listening today thinking, oh, hang on. And they might not have depression. They, you know, they might go to Dr. Google and to have a look but I think as you said so beautifully it was the most courageous thing you did mm -hmm. given how little energy and self-belief you had to just ask you can always go to your doctor and ask mm. you know could I have depression I'm feeling that and so yeah. if you have a little bit of energy maybe it's just you know that thing today just do your research but as you said ask for help that last little bit of energy you have in your body yeah and and, and I will tell you this as far as the stigma is concerned, because I remember talking to the doctor. I don't remember exactly what I told her, but I, I will never forget this. And it's something I always like to share on all the podcasts I've been blessed to be on is she said, 
Jim, you're not the first person I've ever diagnosed with depression or a mental health, you know, mental illness, and you sure as heck will not be the last that I'm going to diagnose with. It's so profound. In fact, like, I think at some point in time, I know this might be higher than the numbers, but I think almost everyone at some point in time has something that, and it may not be a diagnosed mental illness, but maybe just going through a certain challenge, it might be a, a, like a rough spot that maybe is a little tougher than a rough spot where they might feel some sort of depression or some sort of anxiety, but maybe they can get through it a little bit quicker, you know, but for, that doesn't happen for everyone. For, for some people like myself, it just, February, 2001. And, and I, I could tell you like, based on talking to the professionals, I mean, medical professionals, and just from my own understanding, what we kind of surmise it to being is it was February where I live and February in the United States in Pennsylvania is a very dreary, dull, uh, snow, no, no sun. I think it's, I think part of it's seasonal affective disorder. Um, and I don't do, I don't ski. I do no like outdoor activities. Secondly, I was getting burned out at my job. I loved my job, but it was almost like I needed, I had another calling. And that went from there to actually a little transition job. I was working at a, a supermarket while I was getting my studies to now being a teacher now for 14 years. So it was like, I think I found more of that calling, but I was getting burned out at that point in time. Um, furthermore, when I was 13, um, that would have been 13 years prior to that, to, to having the depression, I had a seizure, um, an epileptic seizure that actually almost killed me. Fortunately, my brother was there to uh, to find me and tell my parents, like, hey, Jim, something's wrong. He's turning blue. Talking to my neurologist, he had told me, yeah, like, there's there's a pre-existing chemical imbalance already through the through the epilepsy. And I take medicine for the epilepsy. That's part of the reason why I'm bald. It causes hair follicles to leak. But that's why I, I could care less. It makes it cheaper on hair you know, maintenance. But And, and last but not least, my, I'm just finding out we do have a a history, and I'm not saying it's it's an extended one, but there is a history of, of mental illness in, in my family. Um, it might have skipped a couple generations, and at the so, but I know of two cousins, second cousins, uh, who suffer from depression and anxiety. So it did that play a role, maybe, but the my neurologist believes that definitely the the um, the epilepsy could have the fact that I was burned out. The fact that it's a, it's a very dreary, uh, depressing month February is, and the history of mental health, mental illness could, like, could have jumped a couple generations. My parents don't have anything that I'm aware of, and or that they're aware of. I mean, but so it it could have been a mixture of that. So as well as it being situational, it could have been something biological too. So you just, you know, everyone's depression who's diagnosed it could come in different different forms yeah and I think even if you don't have a diagnosis of depression which I think is after about six weeks or certainly weeks I think we all can relate to the fact we've had depressive days and you see it a lot when you have like a loss in your life and I speak about mm -hmm. this quite a lot in my next book good grief the a to z approach of modern day grief healing that we don't just have loss where someone dies but we have like these mini deaths. It's like you were saying, like you'd have that loss of purpose. And that is what loss is. Like you've got like the loss of jobs, finances, health, dreams, identity. Yeah. 
when we go through a loss, something that made us feel safe, secure, complete, we are all at risk, I believe, of thinking mm -hmm. those lower energy things, whether it is a label of depression or just a depressive period. Yeah. So there shouldn't be a stigma. I don't mm -hmm. think we're any different, really. It's just a time frame, isn't it? Once we're in there, how we cope and how we get back yeah. out of it. Exactly. Like, for example, like, I, I have asthma as well. So, like, well, I talked about my asthma with people and other people talk with their, you know, oh, I, yeah, I have asthma. And that's, that's just normal conversation. Like, I have okay, um, seizure disorder. Even I, I know other people have seizure disorder. Maybe they don't talk about them as much, but it doesn't, I don't know if there seems to be as much of a stigma or as much as, say, with depression. But one of the, the things that bothers me is how media portrays it. Because if you think, like a lot of times you might see it on TV, you might see some, and they might portray someone who's depressed, you know, being crazy as this, uh, whatever. Um, and that is not helping to eradicate the stigma. That's only making the stigma worse, in my opinion. So I think we have to also hold accountable those individuals who are making the stigma worse. But at the same time, that's why I'm, I'm blessed and I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity because I know there's someone out there who maybe did hear of the stigma or, or is allowing that stigma that Hollywood, for lack of a better word, or, or other people who they're friends with, and maybe they don't knowingly are doing, maybe knowingly they're not, they have no idea that they're doing it, but it's important to also say like, hey, you know what? Like I have depression, I have a friend who has depression. Um, you wouldn't like if I said something derogatory about the fact that I don't know you have asthma or this or that or whatever it, it it's it's in our power to um to help and help to to mitigate and and to really eradicate the stigma I mean I think things are getting better but obviously they're not where they need to be yeah absolutely we do tend to talk far more yeah. openly about our physical health like you even tell someone you've got a oh, spot yeah. Like a spotty bum or something, you'd be like, Oh, I got a spot my mm. bum. If you can say something like that, why the hell can't you say that I'm feeling really low, can't get out of bed today? And right. as you say, when we're not talking about it, you put on other layers of negativity, like a bit of shame, a bit of embarrassment, and we don't need them. And we're made no. of a whole, don't we? We're not just a physical being, we are mental, emotional, spiritual. Yeah. And when we're not talking about it, we're kind of yeah. saying it's okay to not talk about it and i don't agree with that i think we yeah. should speak out shout out even no exactly yeah and and like all of us have a, a responsibility in that i think all of it, and, and i i do understand those people who are who are suffering right now in south they're probably not going to shout from the rooftops like oh i have depression i have anxiety and like, i i get it because i was there and that's why for me i went to the doctor and almost in private where I didn't want to let other. So I understand, you know, that they might not be ready for that. But once, once people are more willing to share their story, I think there's such a, um, such value in, in hearing the stories of people who have been able to, to overcome those challenges and what they have done. And, and I'm not just, I'm not saying like my story per se, I'm saying, but like other people as well, because of the fact that we can all learn from each other. Like there might be someone who overcame a certain mental illness and I don't know how, like whatever methods they used, it's just important also that we recognize like you definitely want to stay away from alcohol. You want to stay away from illegal drugs. Why? Because I, I know people who have 
unfortunately taken that route and it came close to taking their life, but they, they kind of realized that their path was incorrect and that they went back to the medical professionals and what have you. So there is a, there is an importance of also guiding your friends and your family to, to go to the doctor, to go to a therapist. And, and maybe you have to help make that call, or maybe you have to find that phone number for them and, you know, and, and just say, Hey, here's the number. And this is something that you can do. And I'll, I'll help you through this. Like I'll help you, but, um, you know, so at least they realize they're not alone, you know? Yeah. And as you say, like you said earlier about when you were first trying to find these positive changes of your mental health, you committed to three things a day and it was sort of like getting up, going to the toilet, having that coffee that you enjoyed. And you do need to take these micro actions, but as you say, they just feel like football pitches away sometimes. Yeah. And we had a guest on recently, Grace Grossman, and she was a freelance writer and she was always that person that helped people with mental health. She always did. But in the pandemic, her freelance role got more and more isolated and so easily, a very fragile line. She went from feeling stress to psychosis. I see. And she couldn't get up. She couldn't do her hair. Yeah. And it was only because she's normally a social person. It was always helping others that people realized she wasn't texting, wasn't responding. And in the end, it was her family and a friend who said, you need help. Yeah. And they booked her into a mental health hospital over in Germany. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, it goes back to that physical health, mental health. If you haven't got the mental health to give you the physical strength, ask for help or accept help. That's the other Mm -hmm. thing. If you can't ask for it, then be open to it because it is life changing. It can be life saving Mm -hmm. and there shouldn't be a stigma. And I think it's really sad that it is. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. And like you said, it's it's important that we ask for help. And if someone else tells you, like, I think you need help, please be receptive to listening. And and you know that the person obviously cares about you. They might and and I understand that the depression, the anxiety might be telling you, no, you're not worthy of that help. You, you know, you're you're worthless. You have to remember there's love there. There's people who care about you. And you might not think that the depression anxiety may not allow you to think that but trust me when i tell you there are people like if you are going through that right now and you're listening to this just remember there are people who care about you there might be just you might say no one cares about trust me there are people who care that if you were no longer here they would miss you they would it would it would be awful they would oh it would be such a bad their days would just be you know there'd be a hole in their heart and I think that's important for people to to also realize that you are loved, like you are cared for, like you are worthy, like there's help out there and you are worth that help, you know? So don't forget that message that like you are worthy of that help. You should be helped and it's okay to ask for help. Again, like I had said before, Shelly, like the most courageous thing I ever did my whole life that ever was ask for help because I knew I can't live like this anymore. Like I need help. And once, once the door of, of knowledge was opened to me um, by Wendell, my friend Wendell, who, and I was like, I, I need help. I can't, I can't do this alone. So going to my medical professional, to my primary care physician, and you know, some people might have to go into the office, but now with telehealth, you might be able to talk to them right privately, right from your own home. 
you know, so, so that's also, I don't know if you want to call it a perk, but it's like, it's an opportunity of privacy that you don't have to go into, you know, to the office if you don't want to, you could just, okay, here, I'm, I'm here and I have an appointment and I just want to talk and this is what I have. And so they might be able to do it through, through Zoom. You know, that might be something else. And, and, and now the same thing goes with therapists. There's a lot of top therapists out there that will also do, um, go through Zoom or, or whatever, like Zoom-like capabilities, where if you want to, you know, speak to someone, you can do that, which is, it's, it's fantastic that those opportunities have been made available to us. I mean, it stinks that it happened because of COVID, but I try to look at the gray air, the silver lining, if you will. And that might be a silver lining is that here are other opportunities and maybe there's other therapists that you wouldn't be able to see locally because maybe they're all busy, but maybe you could see them and they're in another part of the country, but they're still licensed to see you. And you could go to them through talk therapy, telehealth, what have you, teletherapy. You know, so those are opportunities that definitely do exist. Yeah, and I think it's less intimidating as well. Like I've been doing like online art courses and all kinds of mm-hmm. things. And it's lovely because I hate driving, <laughs> especially at night. But I think also for the talking therapies, or if, as you said earlier, if you've got that physical exhaustion, that tiredness, if you are in the safety of your own home, it's less of a physical exertion. You also, I think, are more open to talking when you're in a safe place. So it could actually work better getting help now whilst the world's still in a little bit locked down. It could be less intimidating, less physical exertion. But I was just going to go back because it's really poignant what you said, Jim, about you matter and your depression and your anxiety might tell you otherwise or try and convince you with that little devil in your head. But you don't want to leave a hole in someone's heart. And so just to add to what Jim's been saying, like, you know, if there are people around you that saying like, pull yourself together, you're not worthy, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so if you're surrounded by people who don't care, please use today's energy to reach out to someone, whether that's like a doctor, a nurse, a helpline, the Samaritans, because you do matter. And if you are with your own head that's saying you don't matter, a partner, a parent, a work colleague, it's that, you know, just keep going to define that help in some shape or form. Yeah, and, and you will find, like, I, I tell my students, my, my soccer players, like, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So watch who you are spending the most, the, the most time with out of those five people. And you might say like, well, Jim, I only have, I don't have anybody or I only have one person. Well, that, that one person then hold on to that person. As long as there's someone who's going to lift you up because that that's that person that's going to help you through this trial, through this, this challenge. And, and you can get through it and you will get through it, but you have to follow the proper avenues, like getting the help, going to the medical professional. And like um, we had said before, Shelly, like it took a lot of energy just for me to send that email just to make that call like i'm i'm like dreading this call dreading this email to send to my primary care physician or to the therapist like oh my gosh i can't i just and i and i kept telling myself do i want to keep living like this and the answer was no so i said you know what i kind of told the anxiety and the depression um for lack of a better word to just stop like i said no 
I am worthy. Like I, I kind of, again, like a lot of prayer went into this hundred days of hell for me. And I, you know, I made that call. I, I made that appointment. And as scary for me as it was, because trust me, it was incredibly scary to go in for that first appointment. The moment she said, Jim, this is what you have. This is common. You know, you're not the first nor the last to, to be diagnosed with this. This is what we can do. A lot of the fear went away because a lot of the fear for me was what's going to happen once I'm diagnosed with depression? What's the unknown was there? What's going to happen to me? I don't know. But once she kind of laid it out and like, oh, that's it. Wait, so I, I, so because I choose to take the medicine and I go to therapy. So you mean that's, well, I want to see you back like, you know, in a couple of weeks to see how you're doing. Okay. But you mean that's it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was I worrying about? But that, but the anxiety and the depression causes you to make a mountain out of a molehill. It, it's, it might be difficult for some people understand, but you just are left there brewing inside your own head and you don't really want to reach out to anyone. You know, it's, it's difficult, but when there are people who do want you to get help or asking, that means they're seeing something in you that is saying like, we care about you. So please, I, and I know it might be easy to get defensive because I did at times too, when people, you know, you should get help. I don't need help. What are you talking about? Because that's the anxiety talking. That's the depression talking. More the depression than anything. But when I did finally say, no, I need this help. And I got this help. And then I started to see the fruits of getting that help. It was like, what was I waiting for? But again, that it just took a lot of courage. And I know it will take courage for the person out there who's listening, who might share a similar story. But let me tell you that the light on the other side, like of just this, this hell of depression is, oh, it's so much, it's awesome. Because I, I know when I was through depression, it was like, it was this little pinhole almost. I don't know if you could see it, but, and that's all I could see. That's, but the love is there. The love from people are there. The love from the dogs are there. The love from friends are there. But I don't see that, nor do I feel it. The depression didn't allow me to. It was just this little pinhole. But once I got the help, before you knew it, that pinhole got bigger, big, and then it disappeared. And then it was like, wow, this is what life was like. Because I, I'll be honest, I remember being 26 and telling myself, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, I don't know if I'll be around to see 27, because that's just how the depression overtook me. But when I got the help, I, you know, I'm blessed to say I, you know, done humble to say that I, I've been able to do things to support the cause of mental health and and hopefully put a face on on mental health mental illness you know so that's really what a lot of my goal is because I did start to exercise you know Shelly and I don't know um if you we hadn't discussed the marathons had we no no I mean would you be okay if I shared some of those yeah too it's oh, inspirational yeah one of the things pardon me a second his Royal Highness apparently wanted to get down and then he wanted to come back up again. So um, I apologize. But um, what happened was I started to walk, you know, with, with my dog, Sonny. Um, and before you knew it, I started to feel better. I said, you know, today I'm going to walk a little bit more. And then I walked a little bit more. And then it became one mile, became two miles. Then I trained for a 5K. I'm not a fast runner. It was just, I want to do this. I, I started to walk him and I would get the endorphin rush from a runner's high. And they call it runner's high, but it could be 
just an exercise high or just walking high, like you just feel better after you exercise. And at that point in time, um, I remember doing my 5K and I was like, wow, that was really good. And what I'm about to tell you, Shelly, and Shelly and, and the listeners is more do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> okay, because um, from that point, I went from training for a 5K to training for a marathon, which is a 42K. You don't usually, you're not supposed to do it that way. It should be 5K, 10K, I guess it'd be 21K in England or, or 13 mile half marathon to full marathon. And I trained for a full marathon and I completed my full marathon. Um, and that was just more a way of my way telling depression that I control you, you don't control me. And it was um, like a thank you to running because running is like, was, it helped me out so much. I finished toward the back. I'm not a fast runner. My wife will tell you that. She's followed me all over God's green earth with, on marathons now. But beforehand, I started doing marathons. And the 100 days in hell, my goal is to get back the 100 days that I've lost and by doing 100 marathons. So I've, I'm, I'm humbled to say I finished 21 marathons uh, for the cause of mental health awareness. Just I want to be that face of mental health awareness and just being like, look, you don't have to finish a marathon to do, you know, to say, oh, I've conquered this. Your marathon might be walking around the block and that's OK. Your marathon might be walking your dog or it might just be getting out of bed, because trust me, for me, my marathon for a while was just getting out of bed. But um, in 2014, I did three marathons in three months. In 2016, I did four marathons in four months. And I finished toward the back. I'm, I finished last at a marathon. I'm okay with that. But for me, the most important thing is the message is just helping people realize that you can do some pretty cool things. You just need to just be your own hero, for lack of a better word. Ask for help. Most courageous thing, and the reason I was able to accomplish what I just mentioned, you know, is because I asked for help, and I asked somebody else who could help me for that help, and then I haven't done any since 2016, Sherry, because uh, the last four years were dedicated for studying for my doctorate, so I earned my doctorate in education in September of last year, so now I'm like, okay, I'm chomping at the bit to to get back at it, like maybe a 2022 marathon, because I want to do them again. Um, I'm unfortunately I, I have a graduate school weight and COVID weight that I need to lose, but that's the first step, and I will lose it. That's I'm not doubting that I will lose it. But those are things that I'm humbled to say that because I asked for help that day in 2021. No, 2001. Pardon me, 2001. 20 years ago. I'm able to say that I accomplished today. Not everyone has to do a marathon. Not everyone has to earn a doctorate. It could just be something that you want to have children one day, or you want to get married one day, or you want to have a dog one day, or you know, you just want to live a, a healthy, fruitful life. And that that that's the goal. That's really the goal. It's just this became a mission to me. I think that's so powerful how we like started the episode and you were saying about how you struggled to get out of bed and then to go from those steps of getting out of bed to stepping along and doing a marathon I just think is amazing oh, thank you I love the fact I don't love the fact you obviously had 100 days of hell but I do love the fact that you said I'm going to claim back those lost 100 mm. days and you're doing that through marathons and raising awareness oh, of you. mental health that's just profound in my world Jim truly oh, is thank you no. I want to say that 
it's just been I think it's been so helpful I love people that that come by my side and try and get people talking more about mental health you know that whole it's okay to not be okay Mm -hmm. let's do something about it so you've said about you know getting the help maybe taking the medication maybe talking therapies maybe exercise so people listening today what is the one positive change they can make today I would say the big thing is if you are is believe in yourself you are worthy of the help. You are worthy of fine of, of that. You're worthy of living your truest life. Like, don't let the depression get into, like, don't let the depression take over your thought. Because I know I've been there with the depression. You're not worthy. You're not worthy getting this help. You, you're terrible. That person doesn't like you. And, and I, I get it. But you know what? You are worthy. What you have, you are worthy. Like, for me, Again, some people might be meditation. Other people might be prayer. For me, it was a lot of prayer. And that played a huge role. Um, Surrounding yourself with good people. And what I mean is good people who are going to lift you up. Good people who maybe they're, and I don't mean people who want to play therapist. I mean, good people who just want to give you support. And that support might be silent support. That support might be, you know what? Hey, let's go out and get ice cream today. Or that support, hey, let's go out and go for a walk today. just caring people like that, that that's huge. Those people are angels that are walking the earth, in my opinion. And if you have a chance, one other thing I would say, if you have a chance, and this is because I, I liken, one of my heroes is, is the voice for the voiceless. He was a, a, a priest in El Salvador. I've been there on service trips five times, um, Oscar Romero. And he was named the voice of the voiceless for um, the poor and the destitute. But being voiced for the voiceless of the, those going through mental health, mental illness, I think it's important to realize all of us have a role with pets. And what I mean by that, go to a, go to a shelter one day and help volunteer at a shelter and help the dogs, help the cats. Look at the smiles on the faces that you're bringing them. Absorb the love that they're giving you because those, oh my gosh, there's something to be said about that. So, and I know I've given a lot there, Shelly, but what I'm saying, when it all boils down to is you are worthy. You are worthy of the help. You are cared for, you are appreciated, and you are loved. It it might be difficult to see that love, but trust me, the love is there. No, I think that's really important what you said about sort of that kind of not paying forward, but, you know, what I've seen time and time again, Jim, is that we're often better at helping others than we are at helping ourselves. So I love the idea of going to a shelter and helping and things like that. Probably not you, because you've already got snitches. <laughs> Sadie Stewart, you'd probably come back with another three dogs, but that, that's our that's our problem. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we um, and and Sadie and Stewart are both rescues too, and they were we weren't looking for for rescues. <laughs> they found us, but I think that's common. I think dogs and cats find you more so than you find them and duty was a rescue as well she found us we weren't looking at the time and yeah yeah but no it's a gorgeous story but it is often that you know if you're not good with yourself and go and help others so I know you're like me and you're a huge mental health advocate and so you have a freebie of where you can support people further so please tell us about your website well the website really is one is um mental health musings but I'll, I'll it's a M H M U S I N G S dot com. 
And the Instagram for that site is M, um, MH, pardon me, let me backtrack because I said two M's there, I apologize. On Instagram's M-H-M-U-S-I-N-G-S-B-L-O-G, blog. It's just a blog. Um, you know, that, well, I would say just a blog, but it's a blog. And, and a lot of it goes with me talking about things that I've learned over time. Um, it might be stuff that I learned from my grandmother who was, did, financially did not have much money. But as far as love, if love was money, my gosh, I would be a multi-billionaire. Uh, same with my grandfather. Uh, same thing goes, I, just in nature, being with nature, what you can see in nature. And like, so little things like that. And it's just important, I think, that we continue to, to talk about, you know, mental health, mental, mental illness, because it, it, affect, it, it affects everyone. It affects everyone because if it affects one person, it affects their family. It affects their family. It affects their their job, their community. It affects their community. It affects you know the region. It, so it affects everyone. People may not want to believe it, but it does. And and as a as a as a guy, I, I have to say because I know with men, oftentimes we're told you should man up. Okay, you have okay, you should man. Well, manning up is not sitting in sorrow. Manning up is going to a therapist. Manning up is going to get help. Manning up, like, so it's, what is your definition of that? Because I, in the United States, that's just a term. I don't know if they have that in England or have you, but it's, so people, you know, you need to man up. Well, okay, that's how I am. And if you choose to live in your misery, well, that's up to you, but I want to get better. So I'm manning up by going to get better. And that's what I'm choosing to do. So that's what I think is important for people to realize. And that goes for any, even women who maybe their family tells them the same thing, because it might be, I know in some interviews in, in other countries, mental health is kind of like, there's like a signal, like you should know, you need to be a woman about this. I did a couple in India and they told me this and I was shocked. I didn't know this, but they said, you know, like, oh, you need to, you don't need help. You need to just toughen up. Are you kidding me? Like you don't. People don't know what you're going through. So it's okay to, to reach out to those doctors. They're there for you. They, they want to help. The really good ones, they want to help. You find, you know, if you have a, a primary care physician, talk to them. And if there's one that won't prescribe you medicine and you feel as if you need it, find another one. Yeah, no, we do have sayings like that over here. And they are derogatory and they just sort of are like man up, chin up, cheer up. And I think we've learned today, if you're going to get anything up, then just pick that phone up and ask for help. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Pick the phone up, um, drop the email, send the email, uh, whatever you have to do to get in contact. And, and I know, like you said, with the Samaritans, I know that's an organization in England that they have that you can contact, I believe, through text and they will get back to you. Is that what I'm? Yeah. So the organizations like that, even if that's just a, a temporary thing until you can get the, the other help you need. I think those organizations are so critical, especially these days. Yeah, and I think if you're taking the time and the courage to make one call, that'll help consolidate, like, actually, I matter, actually, I can take action. Mm -hmm. So no step is ever too small. Exactly. No, no. Every, and, and every little, what you might think is a, is a small step is adding to a big step. Like, it, it's, you know, inches equal feet feet equal yards, yards equal 
whatever the next thing after yards is. <laughs> you know, but you know, before you know it, you've made your you that little inch and you've made it down the football field. You know, and and it's like, wow, this is how far I've come just because of that little step, that little millimeter that I did because of that over time, this is how far I've come. And and it, you will get there. You may not believe it right now, but you will get there. Yeah, they will. Jim Shupak and Snitches, who's been coming in and out if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. Jim Shupak, thank you so much. And you, Snitches, right. thank you so much for joining <laughs> no, us on the thank show you, today. Shelley. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners and, and everyone watching as well. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story, which is the story of many. Really, I'm just being the voice for those people. So thank you. I'm, I'm very humbled to, to play that role. Oh, thank you, Jim Shupak. Uh, thank you, Shelley. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, life goes on. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>